Craggy Rugby Podcast, a Worcester edition. We're here in six ways. Lindy McKenzie, very welcome along. Afternoon, Rob. Good to have you along. Alan Deegan, welcome along. Hi, Rob. William Davis, welcome along. Hello, Rob. Well, where do we start? Well, let's start with the game that's ahead of us. Surface looks good. Good few Connick fans over. Worcester will go for it. Connick will go for it. I'm just saying I expect lots of scores. Yes, certainly on this pitch. Mind you, I was kind of bemused that I thought it was raining when we arrived here on this pitch because they were actually watering it and it, it is a hybrid pitch, I think I understand it, yeah. so I'm not exactly sure the watering state just before the match, but I'll leave that to someone else, to uh, the experts to uh, to uh, discuss, but look, I think it's, got, it's, a, it's a fine day it's, um, there's a bit of wind outside, but this is actually quite a closed-in stadium, isn't it? And it doesn't seem to be huge amounts of wind in this and in, in here at the moment. So, although there is on one side of the pitch I see over there, but it is quite closed in. I would expect it will be a, um, a fast and furious game. Oh, I would hope so anyway, because we know that Connett's fitness is always is always good. So um, let's hope that they can wear these these uh, Worcester Warriors down. Indeed, indeed, it is a, a hybrid pitch, but it's a hybrid that needs watering apparently that it's got it's, it's, there's organics in it it's not just a plastic ball it's, or, it's an organic section to it for some reason um, yes. but it looks perfect and I think it's going to be brilliant for the likes of me, Eddie Loken and people like that to get running around and scoring lots of tries yeah it should be a fairly open game um, maybe wouldn't be the way Alan Solomons would normally set up his teams but he's he's only here only played two, two he's only had two games as coach so I think both sides will go for it Worcester have to win otherwise next week for them is pointless Connector probably don't have to win but I think they want to win so it's it should be good alright yeah just just a, Worcester are currently the second best second place team right so lots on the table why don't we just jump right ahead to us in the game out it comes to Alton Delan who uh takes the tackle but presents the ball well and gets on the front foot Marmion digs it out it's slower ball Ronaldson to Aki gets it almost standing still but good strength in the contact there's a ball in, in, in front of Masterson he had a job and a half to try and take that in looked like he had knocked it on but he's kept it in hands and he did very well to do that Alton Delan with the carry Worcester over the top of the ball after feet Marmion connect 11 metres inside their own half of the field centre of the pitch back it comes to Craig Ronaldson left boot belts it downfield Worcester in possession and they take the ball in I'm going to kick it downfield right back at them. Marmion getting back into the 22. The kick there from Josh Adams to fullback. Marmion has to turn and run back for this and then kick it downfield with his right foot. It's heading towards the touch, but he didn't find touch. In good position to take this is the scrum half, Hugard. Francois Hugard is definitely a danger man. Another man to look out for is Dean Hammond, the winger. He comes back into contact. 11 metres inside the contact half of the field. Worcester looking lively. Kick through from Adams. Chase on here. This could be a try for Perry Humphreys. If he paces himself, he'll touch it down. Humphreys scores. Worcester with the perfect start. Connick caught flat foot. And in the corner on the right-hand side, Worcester 5-0 up. Connick line out seven metres from the Worcester line in the 22. Great opportunity. 15 minutes gone, 12-0. Two Worcester, two tries on the board already from the home side. Bit of movement at the front and Delan is the target. The mall is set. Can Connick get something out of this now? This is their first opportunity of the game to get something inside the Worcester 22. They're trying to drive the ball infield. It is edging forward. Now Marmion takes it out. He gives it to Farrell. Farrell spins and tries to possibly offload to Ronson but decides against that and instead it's another uh, rook set up and ball popped out to 
Dave Heffernan on a good angle. Now Marmion through the gap. He just tripped over a Worcester player. Maybe he got his ankles tapped, but he was awful unlucky. John Muldoon, two metres from the line. He stopped short. Promising stuff from Connick. Connick tried to go through the middle of the ruck to try and touch, down, touch that down. The referee's whistle has gone, and he's going to go back for an incident that he didn't like. And we'll just see what he's saying. I think it's... Uh, oh... Marmion was tripped at the edge of the rug. I was wondering how Marmion fell. I was wondering whether it was a Worcester hand that tripped him up on the ground or a foot. And that's exactly what it was. It was illegally done, a yellow card, and Connacht have an extra man for the next 10 minutes. Well, it's decision time now is whether they go for the three points right here, which is in straight in front of the posts, or you, you go for a scrum. Maybe who's, I'm not sure who's come off, actually. It's Pennell. Chris Pennell is off. Yeah, it, there were lots of real sort of, um, what would you say, a professional foul. He yeah. just, he just he put his foot. He was on the ground. Foot. He wasn't yeah. allowed to be uh, making a tackle from that position no. on the edge of the rock. And he knew exactly what he was doing because Marmion just came through the middle of the rock because it had... It Almost had, penalty so, try scenario because Marmion would have been in for a try. Yeah, it's... Uh, Almost, anyway. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's one of those ones that probably needs looking at in a penalty try context because, mm. you know, if, if he hadn't fallen over, you feel there was nowhere else for him to go other than over the line. That said, extra man, Connor can't complain too much. It's their first foray into the Worcester 22 and they've gained a yellow card out of it and they have a scrum five now just to the left of the post. Real opportunity. I'm just wondering, did he award them a penalty and is this a choice or was there a knock-on by Worcester? I don't know. I'm, I'm um, it would have to be a penalty with the yellow card, so Connacht have obviously chosen the scrum, I would imagine, William. Tiernan O'Halloran to the left of the scrum and the Adrian Oakland club, but they go to the right. John Muldoon going underneath the post. John Muldoon is over for the easiest of tries, really. Worcester went to sleep on the flank and Muldoon gets the try. I think one of our fans before the game predicted the John Muldoon try. Well, there you have it. That's his 23rd try in 316 appearances. We were only talking about it. What a score. They're pretty quick about deciding, right, OK, we better take this. Ronaldson kicks it downfield. Van Vels, the captain, number eight, brings it back. And in the contact, they've been good. There's a high tackle. Connacht are heading for another yellow card. Jared Butler has really let his side down there. Another yellow card. And uh, at the speed at which that happened, it doesn't matter how accidental it was, even if it was accidental, it's a yellow card under the current laws. Absolutely, John Muldoon put his hands on his head because he knew what he knew what was coming. Thirteen man Connacht for the next nine minutes, seventeen fourteen to Worcester. Can't really tell you anything positive to go with that. I'm afraid Connacht have made two errors. The first one might have been an accumulative situation from Quinn Roo, We think for offside, just multiple offsides got on the referee's nerves. That one's for a high tackle. Butler just has been, like most of the Connacht forwards, having trouble in the contact, just stopping this Worcester team on the front foot. Maybe that was his frustrations coming to the helm there. Lewis, the number seven, driven back in the Connacht. This is great defence from Connacht. Nia Diolokan and Bundiaki come through the contact. Connacht digging in now with Dave Heffernan. Worcester trying to keep it going. Really entertaining stuff. 17-14. Connor Carey in the contact area. Worcester have the numbers if you just go through the hands. They're going to whip it wide. It looks like it's Chris Pennell now on it. Connacht are able to drift across. You just wonder if Worcester just went through the hands there. Would it be better? They come through the middle of the rock. Here comes the try for Worcester. Connacht just weren't able to defend the fringe area. A lot of frustration from Connacht, but the referee is happy enough with what he saw, and it's a try. Try number four and the bonus point for the home side. 22-14. we got a minute and 15 to go to halftime. Here's the conversion from Pennell. He took an age to take it, and it should be halftime. It is halftime. If he had hurried that up a little bit, they might have got one more play, considering the fact that they have the two extra men. I just might be scratching my head a little bit if I was a home fan. But that said, when you have four tries on the board and a 10-point lead, they'll be happy enough overall. 24 points to 14 to Worcester.
Well, having missed three kicks in a row, I suppose yeah, he, he wanted, wanted to make, to make sure, sure they got it. Plus, he's, he's look, he's, he's, he, they're going to start with 13, then they're going to go to 14. It'll be nearly five minutes into the half before they get back up to 15. Connacht have to regroup and plan for that now. Uh, we we talked about it at the press conference that they didn't maybe react as they didn't react well. As, let's face it, they they conceded three tries last week when Quinn Rue was off on the yellow card. Uh, so it's a challenge now because they've two people off on yellow cards. Discipline is something Connacht pride themselves on, and they'll be disappointed with that. Good from Connacht, twenty four seventeen, a seven point game. They're trying to get back into it. Quinn Rue wins it at the back of a shortened liner. Ball transferred into the middle of the park. Ronaldson gets it on to Jared Butler. They're reading Butler all day long. Back it comes though from Blade. Blade takes about three steps in field and gives it to Delan, who powers on. Blade again, one step from the rock this time. Tiernan O'Halloran dances back inside. Tiernan O'Halloran is through the gap, and he's going for the post. Tiernan O'Halloran, what a try from O'Halloran! Wonderful from him. Wonderful from Connacht. They'll have a conversion to level the game. Oh, beautiful stuff by Tiernan O'Halloran. He got a bit of space. He got his head down and he was gone. No harm in that. It's been a nice fluid game. Worcester throw it. Turnover for Connacht in the Worcester 22. Alton Delang got a hand on it. And now Leah Dowie's driving towards the post. Three points will put Connacht into a lead here. But they're going for a try for now. Out it comes from Ronaldson. Here's an opportunity for the pass from Bundiaki. Here's the carry from Tiernan O'Halloran. He's somehow held up short. He's about five metres short. Quick ball from Blade. There's lots of forwards. Connacht have an advantage. They're driving towards the line. Looking for a fourth try. They come back on the short side. They're almost over the line. They're still on their feet and they're being driven back. This is is incredible stuff to finish this contest 24 points apiece we only got about 4 minutes and a few extra seconds to go in the game bonus point try is what Connacht are searching for and the lead any score will put them in the lead it's still an advantage to Connacht so they have a handy 3 points can they get the back line arranged to see if there's something on here Alton Deland's going to try and carry it the ball bounces loose they go over the line Connacht have touched it down the ball went backwards and the contact referee needs confirmation he doesn't have a TMO he's going to have to make a decision Connor Carey was over the line. He's given a knock on. He's going back for the advantage. That ball surely went backwards. Well, yeah, possibly. It's it's a hard one. It just went down and bounced straight up in the air. Um, I don't know how it could have gone forward. It had to go back from where you were. Well, but I guess the fear for the referee is with no TMO, it's a really tough call to make. Let's see how Connick can do in this scrum. They put pressure on Worcester in the last one, but weren't really able to get the penalty. They're putting pressure on now. It's popped out the back and Blade has it. He's soccer silent. He's kicked it twice and he's chasing towards the line. Worcester back inside their own line. They're trying to be held up. It's going to go into touch. That'll be the last play and Worcester survive. They've saved the day, Worcester. They're going to draw this one 24 points apiece. Oh, if that had bounced another way, Connick were going to win the game. It's a great fight back from Connick from 10 points down at halftime to get a really good draw and remain unbeaten in this game competition but their hopes of being a top two seed and being in the running for a home semi-final are pretty much gone now the home quarter-final is still very much on barring an absolute disaster next week they'll secure that I don't know whether to be uh, whether Connacht are going to be happy or sad with this one I th- yeah it's yeah you'd almost have to sort of sit back and review it I think they'll probably feel that they had chances there right at the end and they weren't they weren't accurate enough they did drop the ball two or three times there was a couple of knock-ons there was issues just on the edge of the um, rolling mall where the ball dropped away when they seemed to be just about getting the pace ready to go to probably go in and score Caelan Blade very unlucky there that he just hoofed it through they had that scrum on the back foot the ball had bounced infield one more bounce he was probably in oh. And if there had been a couple more seconds on the clock, Connacht had a five-metre line-out. Yep. Have to drag the Worcester player into touch. Yep. As well, it was, though, 
they probably just left another possible win, much like Leinster behind them in the closing stages. Maybe not in the same way, but another opportunity gone. Alan Deegan joins us for a quick post-game chat. Yeah, um, it's a heck of a second half by by Connacht. Uh, they they got their uh, forwards moving forward. We were talking about at half time how they were so far behind. Uh, they were getting bullied. They started bullying Worcester in the second half. You wonder if the fact that Worcester had their four tries before half time seemed to take an edge off them. Um, but it was, it was also a case of we we need to know what was said at half time because that was a completely different Connacht side who came out in the second half to the one that started the first half. Yeah, it was a very sluggish first seven or eight minutes. 12 points conceded, and you could argue that. And the two doubles in beneath either side of the half has why Connacht haven't won this game, really. Absolutely. Sorry they haven't won. It's, 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 that, it's that simple. Um, you know, they gave up 12 points. or Worcester had to take the scores, but they were, they, were, you know, they were scores that came from defensive misalignments, I think. And then they... Um, the, the double sin bin they were they only had seven points conceded there but really from from that period on Worcester have been Worcester barely got uh, Worcester didn't actually have an attack on the Connacht line in the whole of the second half no no they didn't I think you're looking at a situation where as I say Connacht stopped Worcester from bullying them uh, got to got to grips with the field got to grips with how the, the pitch was playing how the ball was bouncing on the field and held on to the ball played a bit more structured rugby weren't just chucking it around um, like nobody's business but also in defence their body language and their, their work rate increased by at least 15 or 20% because they weren't working hard enough in the first half they really weren't and they certainly did in the second half Worcester though in those closing 12 minutes defensively stood up enough they made enough kind of moments of like good strong tackling determined effort to just get over the line and probably justify the draw that they've got you got four tries and a very impressive start to the game huge credit to them for that yeah. they're well worth a draw too on that I guess oh I think so yeah I think kind of, kind of made, might have made a, a mistake by not taking a scrum with, instead of a line out in that last thing where they, where they dropped it um, and then when they came out here took a scrum when they were too far out yeah. um, so you know, it was a bit <laughs> so, some slightly muddled thinking from Connick's point of view Did they have a just to clarify the law the ball was thrown into touch it Worcester hand touched it forward but they would have had an option of a scrum or a line up because yeah, that, of the advantage the like, yes yeah. they had the option yeah. uh, because of how the ball went into went into touch so they, they took the scrum having not taken one five metres from the opposition line which you think would have made sense to have taken the scrum back there we've seen some great tries here we're going to wrap it up and hand back to Gary first of all William there were some standout performers throughout the game Aki's been picked out by Alan uh, as one the Adil Oaken had that first half try John Muldoon had a try earlier on we were only talking about the possibility of him scoring Tiernan O'Halloran's brilliant score in the second half what's, got, what's earned the draw here? Yeah I, I, saw, I saw Tiernan had a very good game today um, and he, he let himself go a little bit sometimes you know he's he, he's obviously he's a fullback and he's, he's defensive duties but he really went for it today a couple of times he really put pace into what he was doing and he just streaked away from the defence there uh, Farrell did well he still runs away sometimes his, his teammates don't quite know where he's running to um, and he didn't get he did a couple of chances to get offloads didn't get them done but look 24 each 7 tries exciting game maybe not a very technical game at times and from, from where they were uh, when they were down to 13 men they'd have taken that section of the podcast William and Alan are here not even going to introduce them because we've done that already and we bring them in in a second we've got to get to the post-game audio Lindley McKenzie I'm definitely going to bring you in on this because you were part of the post-game chats uh, we're going to hear from Bundyaki first we're going to hear from Kieran Keane as well some interesting little elements to his uh, post-game chat I talked to him first and we're going to add in a couple of questions from you as well 
Yeah, um, Karen was very positive um, yeah, after yeah. The, the result t- this evening. Um, uh, I think we all looked at the appalling start or the poor start that Connaught had, and it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a shock at the start. But then everyone was wondering how on earth we were going to Connaught were going to get out of it. And, and Kieran Keane said himself that when asked the question, he said that the focus had been to get a really positive start, and he said they couldn't have got. <laughs> Could have gone backwards faster or something. Like could something like couldn't that. have gone backwards faster. <laughs> something like that. Haven't listened to that. Uh, yeah, he was. You know, overall, for a man who had so much frustrations with the way they performed, if you listen to this as well, he he certainly does uh, kind of take away a kind of a, a an attitude that's kind of like this group to have seen some of the positive sides of it. Almost kind of feeling like a little bit less despair than maybe we heard after certain defeats earlier in the campaign. Okay, so with that in mind, here's Bundyaki followed by Kieran Keane. Right, Bundy Aki is with us. Bundy, like you look disappointed. The whole squad did going off a 24-all draw is going to be scant consolation because the way you came back, you probably could have won that game. Um, yeah, we the first the, the way we started didn't really show that we should have won that game. But big ups to the boys for fighting um, in that second half. Um, Austin scored in that second half, so it was big ups for the boys, and it was very disappointing with the result. But hey, look, we'll take the two points. Um, and rebuild from there and go again. What happened in that start? It was a very sluggish start. Was it conditions? Was it just not switched on? No, it was just a few errors um, that led into their momentum and we identified that throughout the week. They're a momentum team and that's exactly what happened. Uh, we gave them a sniff of the ball and they built their momentum on from there and yeah, they you know, Worcester are a quality side. You can't say they're not. Um, they're quality players all around the park. So uh, that's what they did. They pounced on the opportunity and gave us the uh, few tries. And then you get back into the game. You thought you had a try in the corner. Luckily enough, Eddie Lokan scored soon soon afterwards. Anyways, but a little bit earlier than that, a lovely move off the back of the scrum as well. So it was a couple of nice scores. Maybe tell us about your try. There wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it was a try. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah, look, um, I think the boys just worked really hard there um, and I was just lucky enough to break through and obviously the try wasn't awarded but uh, fair play to the boys who came back and we scored straight after it. So, hey, look, there was no TMO, nothing on there um, but it is what it is with the game and you just got to go with it. If there's no TMO, you just got to go with the touch hose call. Uh, he did say that I touched the corner flag up in the air, which I don't know if that's out or in, but my belief, I think that's in. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all good. You know, you live with it and uh, you just move on. The second half, the intensity was much better from Connacht. Was, was there kind of the old-fashioned shouting in the dressing room scenario? Was it a chat in the dressing room among yourselves? Or what changed in that second half? Uh, I think we knew um, what we could do. Um, obviously, KK gave us a bit of a... Um, a bollocking in the change room, you know. But uh, hey, look, we knew what we had to do, and we knew what we needed to do in that second half. And um, the boys re- um, reacted really well. So, hey, look, we just gotta make sure we do the job next week, and make sure we secure a quarterfinal, home quarterfinal there, which we really need. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to next week. If I had given you four wins in a draw at the start of the tournament to this point, you would have snapped my hand off, I presume. Ah, yeah, look, we just take week by week and see how we go. Um, we're pretty happy with where we're at um, still we, there is a lot of improvements and we still believe that there is like 10-15% there that we can improve on in our game and 
Um, it's only going to get better from here, really, from our squad. You know, there's a few things that we need to work on from this game that we try to uh, we identified in that Munster game, and we try to rectify it to this week. And hopefully, we can build on again for next week. Kieran Keane on Galway Bay FM here, 24-all draw, still unbeaten in the competition. Let's start with that. I guess that's the, that's the main takeaway from it. But was the victory left out there in the pitch as well? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, they're pretty disappointed in the shed, not to to actually nail it at the end. Um, again, we had an opportunity, so uh, but it was a great comeback. It was uh, we dug a hole for ourselves, buried ourselves halfway up, uh, perhaps to the shoulders, and uh, and then came out of it with a little bit of class. So. I, I, I was pretty chuffed with the way they finished. I was just disappointed they couldn't couldn't actually put the nail in the coffin. The start to the second half, if I could just focus on one major positive, the intensity was so, so good. Do you take away the big positive from that or do you scratch your head as to why that wasn't there from the start? No, I'm, I'm massively positive about that aspect, mm. but the, the, the big issue is about how we dig these holes for ourselves um, and we're pretty good at it. Um, so, you know, we, we've, we've had a few honesty sessions and we've had, a, had some chats and, uh, and we've had a lot of debate, perhaps, and uh, a lot of direction. And so, you know, time for chat's probably over um, and we just have to, have to get things right. Otherwise, we'll make it too tough and we'll probably lose. There was a number of opportunities though in the closing stages when things were going right. You got one great try out of it. Probably should have got another score out of it as well. Yeah, no, look, I'm, I firmly believe, sitting where I was, that we should have put the nail in the coffin. And, and when I was reached the dressing rooms afterwards, they were talking about exactly that. So they know too. Next week, an opportunity obviously to get a home quarter final secured with a win. It'll be a very strong return from the group if you can stay unbeaten, f- win five and draw one. Yeah, look, look, it's uh, it's been good competition for us. It's uh, it's allowed us to get a little bit of momentum back. I mean, we didn't have a good day at Munster, um, and to turn our focus to the Challenge Cup was a nice sort of out for us. Um, and a chance for a bit of backlash, and we probably got the backlash, but only for 40 minutes. Karen, what do you account for that opening 10 minutes? Is it was it getting to grips with the pitch or the speed of the ball, or would there be any reason why? No, no. Look, it, it's ironic um, because the whole um, we had two focus uh, points prior to the game in terms of attack and defence, and one of them was to get out of the blocks really quickly so it's almost like uh, it's almost humorous um, the way things started six minutes and we're down 12 points so we couldn't come out faster backwards in any shape or form so so we certainly didn't roar out of the blocks as planned okay what was what was the halftime talk about oh things are calm we were we were calm about it and um we, we, we had to deal with the fact that we had two people off the pitch. Um, that was the first problem-solving uh, exercise. And the second one was just to, to refocus and, and, and go back to what we'd planned and trained and prepared for and, and get things on task. And we did that pretty well. The first instance in that second half was to, was to chew up the minutes 
um, and, and without giving away any points and, um, and without letting the opposition get into the game. So that worked quite well. Um, and then we just put the hammer down um, and tried to up the tempo of the game in the second half and that started to work too. You must have been also happy with Craig Ronaldson given the fact that he hasn't played in that position for about three seasons. Yeah, no, Craig's sort of on trial for us uh, there. He's been given a good opportunity and um, he started a little um, skittery uh, at the start of the game and he warmed into it. Um, so, yeah, look, we'll have a good look at it and we'll, you know, if he's done well enough for us, we'll give him another chance. So you see him as a viable out half now as cover for Jack Curry? Well, we're looking for one. You've achieved your objective number one is to get to the last eight. Speaking to yourself and Bundy, you seem a small bit down after not winning the game. Is it, does it feel like a second prize or, or something? Yeah, I think it's a bit like kissing your sister, isn't it? It's, um, <laughs> that's how it feels to me. <laughs> Here in Enfield, that's where we are. We stop off on the motorway. Alan, can you give us a bit of an idea, right? So it looks like a win guarantees us a home quarterfinal. We still need to get some points to make sure we get a home quarterfinal. Is that correct? We're going to top the group anyway. No, I think a home quarterfinal is, is if we win. If we win next week, we get a we home quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah, but we do need to win to get that home yes, quarterfinal. Yes, absolutely. We definitely need to win to get the home quarterfinal. And then a couple of other results... Um, if we manage to win and if we manage to win that home quarter final we're depending on other results as to whether we're going to be top two which would almost guarantee us a home semi-final yeah so to put it simply we we are currently on 21 points we can get to a maximum of 26 with a bonus point win over INA next weekend which we'd hope they can do Then, then to be among the top two seeds we see three teams in the reckoning. Newcastle, who definitely get the 10 points against the Russians, we think, NSI. Then we're looking at Gloucester, at home to pull. And we're looking at Edinburgh, away to Stafford Say. Yeah. We could do with Stafford Say win and a Gloucester win by less than four tries. Something like that. Something like that, um, basically. But I think yeah, just win next week. Get a win get whatever we need to make sure we've got a home quarter final and I think just a win is enough yeah this is important later in the tournament it's not it is an exciting weekend in terms of we can watch that Gloucester Pro game on Friday night late on Saturday night after the Connick game uh, we'll watch the Edinburgh game points difference could come into it should Gloucester get a bonus point win so we'll keep an eye on that and we'll keep people up to date at the same time William if Connick get that home quarter final overall we can't be too disappointed if they well I don't know what do you think no, I think, look... If to they the missed out in the top two seed because they didn't finish it off today? Yeah, well, <clears throat> they probably will be frustrated about that if they win their quarter-final in, at home in, at Easter yeah, yeah. and then they go, ah, well, now we're playing X and we could have been here, but now we've got to go there. But they'll just deal with that and get on with it. So... Um, will you be watching those other games with a little bit of interest? Do you like those programs? Yeah, we'll be, yeah we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on them and just to see what happens. Um... Look, anything could happen. You wouldn't know what Poe, a French side going to Gloucester, anything could happen. Yeah, should they win there, then all of a sudden they're in the reckoning and, they, and we're, they're uncatchable from our perspective as well. So you can, who knows, we might be going there for his every final. Let me not say triple. Yep. Um, so look. I have us winning this quarter final with such assurity. It's, it's beyond belief. But anyway. Well, I think Connacht would feel fairly confident of winning a home quarter final against anybody. They're not going to fear anybody in the sports ground. Uh, it'll be at the time of year when maybe our game plan will have a better underfoot conditions but of course it could also be played in a monsoon at the end of March so anything's possible really once once it's done and dusted next week they'll park that straight away 
take their break and go back into Pro 14. I mean, you agree with that? Anyone in this competition in the sports ground, you think Connacht can take? Do you think Connacht are worthy of being second favourites as they were before this weekend, or does does a kind of a scrappy display against Worcester maybe just lower lower their kind of? Well, I think there's still a, I think there's still a lot of teams in this competition that that are capable of winning. I mean, you know, but you only have to look at Cardiff who are at the moment are, what, only on 13 points. But if they win, they've got two games. They've got a game in hand at the moment. Mm. They play tomorrow and they could go up into the 20s and they could, if we don't win, if Connor don't win next week, they could overhaul us even. And, I mean, we know what it's like to play Cardiff. We know what it's like to play Cardiff, don't we? So if you think of them at the moment are on the least amount of points at at this stage, I think anyone in this competition on the day could win it. You'd have to look at Gloucester, who are doing extremely well. Mm. I mean, they've got really real momentum. Finally starting to kick on. They've got momentum behind them. Um, Of the rest of them... Newcastle, Newcastle Falcons, another one, English side. And Edinburgh, uh, and Edinburgh who are yeah. flying, yeah. absolutely, in the Pro 14. So, yeah, I mean, at home, though, yeah, absolutely, with the, the, the clan and, the, the, clan and the, the support behind us, you've got, you'd, you'd have to back Connacht at home. Look, that quarterfinal is almost on the horizon now, and you were saying, William, that's going to be a big, big day. Uh, as as big as we've seen in, in two years at that point, because it'll, you'll be going back to Glasgow semi final yeah, in terms of going. Yeah, you can you can crank it up. It's Easter. Um, it'll be a big day. I know it's, it's only the Challenge Cup, which isn't the same as the Champions Cup, but you will be able to get a big atmosphere going for that, and the ground will be absolutely packed. One point I would make: I think in the quarterfinals, I will nearly guarantee you the four home teams will win. And I think some of the sides in the Premiership, if they're if they're English Premiership, say, say like Newcastle, if they're really challenging for the Premiership at that stage, or they're you know getting into the playoffs there, or looking for a home playoff berth in that, you wouldn't know how they would attack this competition. The best example last year is the Ospreys. Ospreys went six out of six with six bonus points, flew into the quarterfinals, and then because of the fact that they share a ground with a soccer club had to move the quarter-final. It was played at 6 o'clock on a Sunday evening in... I don't know whether... I can't remember whether it was played in the National... I think it was actually played in the big National Stadium in Cardiff. Millennium, whatever you want to call it. And they just fell apart. It absolutely killed them. They lost out. And they just couldn't get their heads round that. And all they had to do was go 40 miles up the road. So it's a funny scenario for sides. And I think... I would at the start of the season if you said what do you want from Connacht to Europe well we'll start with a home quarter final please yeah so we can enjoy next weekend's game no matter what made all the more interesting if Gloucester create a scenario where Connacht have to chase a 40 or 50 point win type scenario made all the more interesting if Gloucester slip up and don't get a bonus point win against Bow. so there's lots of little scenarios but bigger picture Connacht fans can be very happy with this this is look it's it was a favourable group as good as group as we had but they delivered four wins one draw can't ask for much more yeah, not losing in England for the first time in eight years, so that's or nine years. Sorry, um, so that's that's something as well. Um, yeah, Golden. I, I just think another aspect of of today's um, draw was another mental challenge that Connacht overcame by actually falling behind. 12-0 and then 24-14 at half-time and that, that's, that is a really positive I think aspect of Connacht's play that they had the mental fortitude to fight back and and 
keep composed and use their skills to come back to draw. Which reminds me of the Leinster game, and to be honest, the last 10 minutes reminded me a bit of the Leinster game as well in terms of execution when it mattered. And not just that, fitness. They were fitter. So we're fitter, but we're not executing in that final zone. But it's not the kind of stuff... That will come, won't it? Yeah, I don't, no, we're not executing. I think we're, we're putting ourselves in positions that we haven't been before. But surely it's not executing when you're in the 22 with those opportunities and you're not getting the score you need to win the game. Yeah, but it's, it's a matter of, of understanding how to stay cool and calm in those situations at that point in the game. They, have, they obviously have the fitness levels to do it. Now they just need to make sure that they're, they're, they're calm and, and you'd like to think more, the more they get into those positions, the better they'll get it, the better they recognise the position they're in and the better chance they have of um, finishing them off. Hmm, not sure. Um, we love a bit of conflict on well, Cranley Rugby I, I, I just think there was, a, the, there was a lot of similarities with what happened at Leinster today. And the trouble is, when you keep getting into that situation, you need to get yourself over the line. And I think they will have been really frustrated because the last ten minutes was the chance to win that game. I don't think Worcester were ever coming down the pitch to win that game. And it's just one of those things... God, they, they barely spend more than a couple of minutes in our half in that second half. No, they had they had one period of about seven minutes when they played well, and then once the Connacht substitutes settled into their pattern, and all the substitutes weren't used again. Interestingly, which is another yeah one I will have to dig down on. Really, Tornbury and Delahunter added something to those There was a difference today in the sense that it wasn't the pack that was just continuing to try to pound. It was actually they were actually spreading the ball wide. So you know they did learn that lesson possibly to get it out their backs. I, I would say, you know, um, that's not enough for me. No, it no, might, no. it might, it might, it might, it might not be enough. But you know, no one. Know, I mean, like, I'm not out there playing. You're not out there playing. And I think they're doing Thank their God best. Maybe what I what I would say is, and I could actually hear the management team who were sitting very close to me yelling. Drop goal, yeah. drop goal, and I think that is something that has to get into the psyche of Connacht to be able to points. get the points get, in. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. The job and the, the point to remember <coughs> about this is that they're playing away from home. Connacht have never performed particularly well away from home, and in two games in a row, they have been in with a chance of winning games. And the more they do it, the Which better they get. It is red that we're looking at the positives, anyways. As the comeback was very good, the performances had elements in them that were really good. That's why we're not in the kind of despair we were when we lost to the Dragons in a similar way, because there wasn't as much good in that game at all. So there's lots good here. It was bad start, slow start, two stupid yellow cards. Otherwise, he would have won anyways. But as it stands, still two games where they're not learning. They are learning. What they are learning, as Lindley just pointed out, against against yeah. Leinster, they yeah. just tried to pound and pound and pound. This well, time Worcester, they tried to do Worcester something team else. team compared to that Leinster team we played, this Nothing is a different matter. level. And they should have delivered or would have yeah, it doesn't They're matter. not happy. You're away from home, I playing on a pitch. disagree with you. The players would disagree with you. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, they had opportunities, but I also have to think yeah, they were just slightly different different personalities involved in today's in today's fixture you remember you had Craig Robinson playing at Althoff who hasn't played there for three seasons so maybe his repertoire was a bit more limited than maybe what Jack Carty Jack Carty has 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 been perfecting the art of cross field kicks and little dinks behind and maybe that's not part of Ronaldson's repertoire at, at the moment okay well, we give Lenny the final word on that. I think we've all represented yeah. ourselves pretty well. OK, here's a little uh, segue to something a little bit different. They're celebrating the victory in that conversation. <laughs> there was no victory there. Final word does not mean the win. <laughs> Anyways, OK. Well, all this kind of chatter, what goes into it behind the scenes on a day trip like this? We did a little story of the trip. 
the morning. It's ten past six here in Ballinrobe, and I am on my way to the plaza in Lockray, where I'm going to meet the rest of the crew. We'll get going for our epic one-day journey to Worcester. Morning, everyone. Hello. Morning, Alan. Howdy. Probably recording. Oh, we're going to start. Uh, we're going to start recording now. No, it's a behind-the-scenes package. All oh, right. Just see the schedule. Very good. Very detailed. Yes, I have to check something in the schedule. What was I want to squeeze in some reading time on schedule. Yeah, where's, where's, the, um, where's the printout? I'm, I was waiting for my printout of the schedule. <laughs> you'll, you'll get your printout at the at the due time. <laughs> would you like the print your printout? Well, I would, well, I would be, but because I'm confused with times actually myself, because you told me I had to pick yeah, yeah, Alan up at quarter past seven, we lost, we lost and he quarter past six, and he told me it was twenty past. Oh. That's a huge differential. And as it turned out, it was 23 minutes past because I was five minutes late leaving my own house. <laughs> Whatever time I say, Lindley, is the time. Did we get to, did we get to William on time? We're 10 minutes late at Dublin Airport. Yeah, we, we are 10 minutes late at Dublin Airport, Rob. Mm. You're scheduling. Yep. You're just going to have to work on your schedule. Yeah, I think you just need to drive a bit faster. Yeah, well, okay. Safe, responsible driving is the only way it is in the Craggy Crew. That's your car hire stuff, Alan. On this start, that the two teams are going to come out together. Mm-hmm. There's no TV, yeah. so it can start really quickly. They, okay. they run out, they get the ball, and they kick off. It's yeah. not like the referees then waiting for television. Okay, so, so when the coach comes back, before I even welcome you back in, I do what Mike does sometimes, which is just I'm reading the teams. You yes. just sit in there angled straight to the teams. Straight to the teams. Get both and, teams And going. then at 3.04, because we're going live on FM, in breaks in play, I'm going to have to give the teams again yes. very quickly. Surnames, just here's the front rows, here's the back rows. The fin- the fin- right. the, there'll be a final wrap for FM. Yeah. And then there's a final wrap for stream. Yeah. Okay. But I think if you just go and get the interviews, it'll take the pressure off you. Because 100%. Just, just get them done. Yeah. worked at the end anyway, so it'll be a better post-game show with you guys doing Remember, it's going but, to be in the podcast. But we just need and to watch the time. We don't need to ramble. We no. need to be watching the time. Crucial. And we're saying okay. three to five minutes, and we're getting it, and we just wrap it up. Yeah, I'd be bringing the jumper up about four o'clock. <laughs> okay, at this stage, we should acknowledge that I forgot my jacket, which I'm sure will have come up in the podcast, if not once a million times. I have a scarf, at least. I have a scarf from Alan. He came with backups. He came with a Guinness hat. I even, I even have gloves. I have a second scarf. I'm glad I forgot my jacket, to be honest. I'll keep the rest of it in there. I tested the systems out. What's our car, Alan? Toyota? Rav. Rav, is it? Rav 4. We've arrived at Worcester. Artificial pitches, that's what they do. It's, it's a different bounce, it goes a different way. It's slowed up, they water the pitch before the start. And Worcester, sharper, quicker, faster, and looks like they're going to go 14-0. We've been live on GoiBFM.ie from 2.30 on our usual uh, extended stream here, but we're live here on FM as well, so welcome listeners. We'll catch you up a little bit more when we get a chance. Here's the conversion. We've seen one really good kick from Chris Pennell. It was his turnover that started uh, the move really for Worcester, you could say. To the right and wide, and after a beautiful strike in the first one, that one doesn't go as well. 12 points nil. He's had a good start to the game. Everyone on the Worcester team has had a good start because he was fairly booted. We're in the car on the way home. Let's go work today. Yep. Yep. 16, 16 miles to go. 
16 miles and we're like trying to get to Birmingham Airport here. William, are we on schedule? Uh, technically no, but yes, within the parameters. Within the parameters. Lindley, you just got your report in time. Loads of pressure, but I think William's schedule was workable. Uh, yes, absolutely, just. Just. Thanks to, thanks to all your help as well. Oh yeah, well, you know, I was in to save today after having a chat with Roland Bird, who I believe you got on, on the uh, live coverage, which could appear in the podcast, I hope it does. Well, he wasn't on the live... Well, I suppose it was on the live stream, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah post, post FM. Well, big thanks to BBC Radio, Hurryford and Worcester. Is that right? Or is it Worcestershire? No, BBC Hurryford and Worcester. Yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, and, to, and to the Worcester Warriors. Oh, yeah, Tom and all the going Tom in there. All, well, the two Toms, actually, it's two Toms. Two Toms. Well, they were great. and They were a big help, and they got a lot of stuff set up for us and had it checked out so we didn't have to do any of that stuff we just had to set up and go right and, and to um, my niece Molly who carried the bag out good work Molly oh sure we've met Molly before at the Wasp game in Coventry I think it was right anyways we have to uh, get to the airport get checked in and then we've got a podcast record somewhere between airport and maybe Apple Green on the way home we need to get there first on the journey goes what time is it right now 6.09 on a Saturday evening I started at 6am today when I left the house and left my jacket on the chair. That's going to come 50 up. quid fine. No, that's nonsense. I can't introduce a fining system. Oh, we can. Oh, yes, we can. <laughs> I'm pressing stop on this. All right, we're on the flight. How long? This flight should be a bit longer than the Ryanair flight. Would you if we won? <laughs> uh, probably, yeah. I would say it would be a smaller plane. Mm. Little 72 seater ATR. Used to fly in and out of the to Galway on these all the time. Mm. Yep. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be handy enough. Mm-hmm. Right, should be in by about 10 past 9. Yeah, 10 past. We might be a bit early, I'd say, because we're nearly all loaded. So, I'd say once we're loaded, we're gone. Happy days. All right. All right, we're in the car, and it's, uh, it's about 20 past 9. That's good timing. Well done, team. Yeah. We have to record some of the podcast in. Okay. 12.07. Bye, everyone. Cheerio, Rob. Yeah. Now, on my own, back to Ballinrobe. Time to listen to a bit of ice hockey from last night. Road Sport Auto Credit. Winnipeg Jets Hockey. Go Jets, go! Radio Hall of the Jets, TSN 1290. That's that, then. Just around one o'clock. Two minutes to one to be precise. And we're back. 19 hours later, back in Bell and Robe. There is my Galway Bay FM jacket sitting at the door, ready to be collected. Alright folks, we'll see you during the week. There you have it. Hope you enjoyed that. Just give you a little bit of insight into some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. There's a lot of work to this kind of job, but we love it. Time for any other business. And who wants to start? I'm going to feel safe in starting with Alan because he has a big list. Alan! 
feel free to have multiple ones because there are a few things we have to cover. Like, for example, what? Yeah, Dan O'Brien yesterday was asking the question on Twitter, um, why was the Eagles game against Ealing played at the same time as the Worcester game? Um, which is, I think is a very good question because there are people out there who would like to get involved in boat games or see boat games if possible I know it would have been possible to drive from Worcester to Ealing if they'd been done at the same time it's possible thanks for your question Dan here's William on why you're wrong um Look, Seriously, it's, thanks for your question well it's a different different competition and Ealing set whatever kick off time they want and they generally play at 3 o'clock on a Saturday I know it's a little unfortunate but uh, when they're not televised you're going to get you're never going to get a fix on that, I'm afraid. Well, Worcester and Ealing have to look after their own supporters' interest because they're at home. I, I do think, though, Dan's touching on a wider point. AIL games kicking off at the same time as Connacht games. Connacht Eagle games. There was one last year, I think, where there was one in Athlone and Goy at the same time. Insane, insane stuff. It's just crazy stuff. So there, there is a wider point to what you're saying, Dan. But just when it's away from home, I don't think we can dictate. So any other business? Alan's a few things. So Alan's going to take a run at this for a second. Well, one of the things we were chatting about in the car on the way up uh, earlier on today was um, squad rotation and the input of the fitness guys now this year seems to be a lot stronger and this is why we might be seeing some of the, the changes that we're seeing but how do you balance that with trying to get wins now that we've drawn today and you know what would be a brilliant way of uh, hearing more on that we've got a Johnny O'Connor co- special coming because William was chatting to Johnny O'Connor so that's down the line but talk to him about all sorts of things in the background in terms of what we're doing I don't think we have enough time to get into this in, in more detail, but we did have a good chat on that, and it is something to talk about a little bit deeper. How we used our squad this weekend, the Craig Rollinson over Jack Carty scenario, all that kind of stuff. All interesting topics. Big issue I had today with, with the Worcester ground, and the only issue I had with the Worcester ground, really, was how bright the sideline advertising was. There were certain times in the game we could not see what was going on on the far side of the pitch, because the, especially when a certain um, beer came up that has a green, a Red Star logo, and it just blinded you and we were on the far side of the field yeah pretty great those things drive me nuts on television but that's the worst I've ever experienced at one stage I just sitting there and I'm thinking I can't actually see the far side of the ground has just disappeared into this colour bar Um, it must have been equally annoying for the fans sitting down in front of us Um, I know this stuff brings in money because you can get a lot more ads in and revolving but it did have a funny impact today yeah and I tell you what um it's a brilliant ground, really great ground to commentate out. That's a that's a comment to the EPCR, which should hopefully pay attention to that kind of stuff and realise, yeah, push advertising, but don't do it in such a way that's going to hinder the enjoyment of the game. Anywho, from a Worcester perspective, just want to say what a brilliant welcome we got. The two Toms deserve credit because they looked after us very, very well. Uh, big thanks to Simon and the backroom team for Connacht. Simon Cavanagh, to be precise. Who was saying? Were you saying? Was it you, William? Who was saying like you gave us even gave Galway Bay FM a mention on the uh, on the announcements of the PA? Yeah, Dave Bradley on the PA, who is the local BBC cricket commentator for Worcestershire, and uh, he welcomed Galway Bay, talked about his great trips to Galway to commentate on rugby in the past, and reckoned that anybody who comes to the west of Ireland must visit Galway. <laughs> so, and he said he vaguely remembers some of his trips. <laughs> yeah, I was class. I got to laugh, but just really good welcome to the whole club and everything. It's a great club to visit, and I think the Connacht fans who travel in big numbers will agree with me on that. Alan, do you want to finish with one last point about the Champions Cup? How many how many pools are led by Connacht teams? By Connacht teams. Let's mate. try it again. How many pools are led by Pro 14 teams? At the moment, four of the five pools. Now, one one pool might swap tomorrow depending on the result, but at the moment, you've got Leinster, Munster, 
Ulster and Scarlets on top of their pools with Ospreys in second place. Hmm. I think it's about time the English and French got together and just to see can they sort out this competition to make it a bit fairer. Of course it can all change next week but not by much. That's it from us folks. We'll be back in a few days with the brilliant midweek podcast. Bye. (laughs) 